Well, a very good Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Friday Live on this lovely January 29th, cold and blustery January 29th, and we're happy to have you here. I'm Jim. And this is Cheryl. And it's a, uh, well, January. (laughs) A freezing Friday, I would say. Yes, this is the January that we kind of come to know and expect. And I think more January is on its way. We'll find out, actually, February. (laughs) We'll find out from... That's right. From Jim when he joins us a little later on. Um, we might be building snowmen on Monday. Well, we'll see. Uh, coming up this hour, though, we have uh, someone you know, if you're a regular viewer of EWTN, Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com, and he's written a book called Living Joy, so Chris will be joining us this hour. Also, as I said, Jim will be here with the weather. We're going to play Name That Catholic Tune, so you can win a fabulous prize. Mm. Uh, and uh, next hour, our um, gospel reading and our reflection today is by our good friend from Fairhaven, New Jersey, uh, Father Jim Grogan, and uh, he'll be here. Also, uh, next hour, Mallory Smythe has written a book called Rekindled about uh, coming back to the faith and um, as a young person, so we'll hear all mm-hmm. her story and So a lot happening, and we pray you will stay with us for the whole hour. If you're listening live at 4.02 Eastern Time, uh, you can also watch the program if you like. We're coming to you live on uh, our YouTube channel, DCMTV, live at youtube.com slash domesticchurchmedia. Also live video on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash domesticchurchmedia. Live video also streaming on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org, but also all of our other audio platforms. You know, as the um, sun sets, of course, our AM stations, we have to reduce power. So uh, if you are in one of those listening areas and, and you're in the area that is affected by our reduction of power, you can always listen uh, without any reduction of power from our free mobile app. At, uh, just go to your app store, Domestic Church Media. And search for Domestic Church Media, and you can listen, watch. It's all there, all, as well as our podcast and archive programs. And that comes through at 100% power. Yep. And it mm-hmm. also uh, we also come to you on the um, home speaker devices, as they're being called, the Amazon Echo and the Google Home device. Just say, play Domestic Church Media, and we'll stream there as well. And... Uh, Anywhere we can come to you, we will. <laughs> we'll even come over to your house. <laughs> no, so. <laughs> nobody invites us to their house. We found that out at Christmas time. <laughs> oh, and here we're finally going to get together with uh, uh, dear friends that we really haven't met, but we feel like they're dear friends on Monday, and we're supposed to get a snowstorm. Yeah. So we'll have to watch that weather. We're destined to be hermits here in the. Uh... <laughs> I guess so. So I'm curious, what do you do, you, Jim, you, our listeners? Expecting a snowstorm, you might be in for a couple of days, Monday or Tuesday. I don't know. We'll wait till our uh, meteorologist gives us the um, the scoop. But anticipating a day or two off, maybe in between mm-hmm. shoveling, what do you do? Well, that's interesting because as I was sitting here before you even came in the room, I was thinking, would that be a good question? How do you prepare for a snowstorm? <laughs> okay. So the Holy Spirit must want to uh, have you join Has us. Does it tap in? Well, you, you okay. can, yeah, you can text us uh, your yeah. answer. Just text to 609-493-8255. Just text us and tell us how you're preparing for uh, the snowstorm, I guess the first of 2021. 609-493-8255. That's the number you can text, and we'll get it right here live in the studio. 
and uh, she will share your your preparation plans. 609-493-8255. It might even be the first snowstorm of 2020 and 2021. We, we barely got a flake last year. Hmm? No, we had the we December didn't... storm. Was it was it a big snow? They plowed the driveway. We I had, guess to, have, it we had was. to have the driveway plowed. So long ago, you know, we've been in limbo for a while. Remember, we thought it was going to be a white Christmas, but that Christmas it was all gone. Yes. But uh, anyway, so let us pray. I think then. there probably were six or seven inches out there in December. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, we'll see what Jim has to say. How much of a storm this might be. But we are going to pray, and uh, we pray this beautiful prayer, uh, consecrating our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. And I know I've been saying it, it's been quite a hectic week, but I will try my best over the weekend to post how you can get free copies of this. We want to give them out to you, courtesy of the Knights of Columbus, a beautiful prayer of consecration, consecrating our families to the Holy Family. So let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepare to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer, we We entrust our family family to you. you. O blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth, you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We We entrust entrust our our family family to you. you. O Saint Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We entrust our family to you. Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous toward those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, Mary, Mary, and and Joseph, Joseph, pray pray for for us. us. And we'll pray our prayers to St. Michael the Archangel and also the beautiful ancient prayer to Our Lady that our Holy Father asks us to pray, specifically uh, praying for the intention of protecting the church from the attacks of the devil. And we've added to that to protect our country from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend Defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. devil. May May God God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and and do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities. But But deliver deliver us us always from from all dangers, dangers, O glorious glorious and blessed Virgin. Virgin. Amen. Amen. And we pray, again, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray Pray for for us. us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray Pray for for us. us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray Pray for for us. us. And Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray pray for us. us. We have a feast day today? I don't think so. I don't think think so. It's just ordinary day. Ordinary day. Ordinary day. All right, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So again, thanks for being here, friends. And uh, if you're concerned or curious about uh, the storm that's a-brewing out there, we have our domestic church meteorologist Jim Hoffman joining us this hour, so stay tuned for that. But also coming up in just a few minutes, Chris Stefanik, who you know from EWTN, real-life Catholic, 
Uh, he's written a book called Living Joy, Nine Rules to Help You Rediscover and Live Joy Every Day. I can remember such joy in childhood when they were talking about the snow coming and you might have a day off from school. But now, doesn't happen. Most of the children are <laughs> home with school on the computer or however it might be. So do they get the day off? I think they should anyway. Yeah. Remember that like the phone would ring or you'd be, you know, the, watching the weather or listening to the radio? We, listened to the, we, we used to listen to WCTC in New Brunswick. Yeah, 50, yeah. was 15-something? 14.50. Okay. They're still there, 14.50 they a.m. Are. Yeah. And they would announce your school name. That's right. By name. By now, name. But now when our children were growing up, maybe because there were so many schools, they would call out numbers. So you'd have to remember the number of your school. Okay, right. 15, 17, and 20 have a half day or, yeah. or whatever. And uh, now be. they probably don't even do that. They just uh, text the Send parents. Send you a text right? or something. <laughs> I like to listen to and hear your school name. You go back to bed or you get up and say, I want to go out and play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we used to listen to 1450 AM WCTC up there in New Brunswick. Yeah. And uh, Jack Ellery, God rest his soul. Do you remember Jack Ellery? I do. He passed away yeah. a few, about a month or two ago. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. We had that on. Well, we had a, a little AM radio, you sure. know, a little transistor. <laughs> and my mother would like just yeah. play with that dial, get it to zero in just right without the static. And that'd be on all day. Jack Ellery was, um, he was the morning guy for years. Mm-hmm. He would make those announcements, I'm sure. And, yeah. Uh, but he came to see our senior play in 1972, Fiddler, oh. Fiddler on the Roof. We, and he was Jewish. You know, he wasn't Catholic, obviously. He was okay. a Jewish man. And he came. And the next morning, my mom was so excited because he was talking about rave reviews over the air about how much he enjoyed it. And you were And he said, and I'll never forget the quote was, and the guy who's playing Tevye, if he ain't Jewish, I don't know who is. Oh, and you're about as that Catholic was me. as me. That was me. I thought, okay. And my mom was so proud of me. <laughs> for almost passing being Jewish? Off. Yeah, for passing off as an authentic Jewish man in the role of Tevye. Oh, they're good acting for you. That's right. That's right. Didn't, it was uh, exciting. So Your class, now I don't know how many years it's been, you should like redo it or a couple of scenes or something. Well, our 50th reunion is coming up. There you go. <laughs> so there you want to wait. we could all get on stage and do anything at this point. <laughs> I know but, it's going to uh, care. You know, it's, um, but I thought, well, you know, you could have, what do you call those things, a reading? Where you could like have, mm-hmm. the, like you could play the piano. We could, we could just, just move to the music. Yeah, you don't have to be dancing around or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it couldn't be dancing. Trust me, it couldn't be. Maybe some of us could. I know I could. I you mean, don't have to be standing. You can be sitting in a chair reading your part. We did that, that play. That would be so much fun. We did that play at St. Peter's High School, which just was recently torn down. I hate to think about that. But mm. in the fall of my senior year, 1972, but it, it was so popular. I mean, we packed the house every night. It was People were literally, I'm not kidding, hanging on bleachers watching us in the, in the, in the gym there. And uh-huh. Father, now Monsignor Corona, God bless his, him, he's still with us and he's uh, up in Metuchen, but he arranged to have us perform that play at the State Theater in New Brunswick, which at the time had been closed, and we were the ones who opened it. Oh my, what a thrill for a high school student. It was great. I'll never the forget singing stage. If I Were Richman on the, it was like 2,000 people Oh my on the stage with just one spotlight on me. I loved it, <laughs> singing If I Were Richman, but I remember That's doing- That's when you got the bug, I think. I remember doing L'Chaim. You know, and we had to do those dances, and I was, believe it or not, doing them. And I remember going at the end; everybody fell down intentionally, 
But I went down on my elbow, and I literally thought I broke my arm. Oh, my gosh. And I thought, uh-oh, but the show must the go show on. The show must go on. I didn't break my arm. It was just a bad, bad bamboozle. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. Uh, Chris Stefanik is going to join us, and he's going to talk about his brand-new book called Living Joy. So you stay where you are, friends. More to come on Friday Live. Well, welcome back. Thanks for being here today, friends. And uh, we got a little answer here to your uh, to our question. We are going to watch mass in the morning 
Play with the boys in the snow and make some baked macaroni and cheese. Oh, good. Give us your address. So if you, friends, again, tell us what your plans for the big snowstorm coming up. You can text us at 609-493-8255. Comfort food. Chris mm-hmm. Stefanik is an internationally acclaimed author, speaker, and television host who has devoted his life to inspiring people to live a bold, contagious faith. He is a graduate of Franciscan University of Steubenville, also the founder and president of Real Life Catholic, a nonprofit which operates as the headquarters for Chris's various initiatives. Above all, he is proud to be the husband of his wife, Natalie, and father to their six children. And he's written a brand new book called Living Joy, Nine Rules to Help You Rediscover and Live Joy Every Day. We want to welcome to our program, Chris Stefanik. Hi, Chris. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to have you. And, of course, our listeners, as an EWTN affiliate here, know you from your great work on EWTN television. And uh, we appreciate you taking some time out of what I'm sure is a very busy schedule to be with us. You know, Chris, we're all called to be saints, and and we've had a couple of dear friends who were vice postulators of causes for canonization of happy memory. Of course, Father Andrew Apostoli and another friend of ours locally. And and both of them said when when they open a saint's cause, one of the first things they look for is, was this individual a joyful person? So it's an How integral cool. part of isn't that neat? It's it's an integral. I love that. It's an integral part of who we're supposed to be and who we are as saints. So, what was the inspiration for you to write this book? Uh, well, you know, the inspiration would go back to my own conversion experience. My parents dragged me off to a retreat in Scranton, Pennsylvania, <laughs> and it, it wasn't the, uh, the the great speakers necessarily or the, the band or anything like that. What, what really changed my life was the joy in the room. I remember particular faces, and this one guy in particular is probably 60 years old. He wasn't like the rock stars I had looked up to until that point, uh, but there was just a joy in his face. I, I realized that he had what I was always looking for. Were um, you in your so teens? I was obsessed on this topic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Were you, were you very young or in your teens or roughly? Yeah, I was in my, my young teenage years. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I had all the wrong priorities right away, and God saved me right away. So, you know, the combo of that, and frankly, the past year, I mean, it, everybody's joy has been challenged this year. Mm-hmm. And what what I think has come kind of naturally for me in my spiritual life, uh, just like a kind of naturally sanguine guy, again, going back to the conversion, has become more difficult this year uh, with the stress of, of lockdown, changing my ministry from one that's primarily event to, you know, I mean, it's ministry, but it's also been the experience of shifting the whole business. So I've had to do a gut check and, and think, you know, how, how do I need to get intentional uh, about reclaiming joy in my life right now? And that became a journey that I wanted to share with, with people uh, as I went through it myself. You know, I often think of, of Paul and Silas, you know, these these wonderful men who were imprisoned and, and shackled and probably in the dirtiest, dank, dirtiest, dankiest part of the prison and, and, and most rank part of the prison, having been beaten, yet they were singing songs of praise. Mm. So that yeah. that joy really came through. So what what is it about this this wonderful uh, fruit of the Spirit that we, we are able to, I mean, as you say, this year has been a tough year because of what we've been going through, but we, we mustn't let anyone or anything rob us of that true joy that we should have as disciples of Jesus and baptized into, into Christ. Yeah, I think that we very frequently look to our circumstances uh, to, to find our joy or blame our circumstances for our lack of joy. And, you know, I'll be happy when, I'll be peaceful if, I'll be confident 
you know, when this happens. No, 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 that's not the spiritual life. <laughs> and you brought up St. Paul and you brought up Silas. I mean, most of what St. Paul wrote about how to be joyful and how to have a good attitude, and I write about a lot of these things in, in the book, uh, most of those things he wrote from prison, from the worst crisis in his life. He was in prison under Nero, waiting for his execution. Uh, Nero liked to take Christians, cover them in tar, light them on fire, impale them to cover to light his palace at night. So that, that this, these aren't good political times. And St. Paul wasn't blaming the Roman Empire for his mood. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was finding his joy in Jesus Christ Amen. at the time where he needed it the most. And then there's practical things that we could do to nurture that within ourselves every day, and that's what the book's all about. But real, real simple practical things that anybody can implement doesn't depend on your circumstances changing, but will change you in the midst of your circumstances. And they're all based in Scripture. Well, let's talk about some of that, friends. Again, we're talking with Chris Stefanik. The book is called Living Joy, Nine Rules to Help You Rediscover and Live Joy Every Day. So let's talk about some of these rules, uh, Chris, and, and how you how you develop the book. Yeah. Uh, so they, they're, all the rules are, are scriptural, but they're also, you know, backed by a lot of the, a lot of the latest research uh, about what increases our, our sense of joy and, and just life experience and the, the writings of the saints. So it's all kind of kind of going in there uh, all together. Um, so the nine rules that came up with, I'll, I'll rattle through them right sure, now. Sure, let's Give do. Thanks, practice silence, love yourself, have fun, engage your body in the battle for joy, make friends, rest, serve, and frame your mind with faith. And in all of those, we just dive into, I mean, a lot of the things are, you, you, you read in this book are, are things that will make you say, oh, yeah, I, I kind of knew that. To which I'd reply, oh, so you need to do it. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's it. That's it. We have to get on the other side of the fence. And there's a difference, Chris, I imagine. I mean, some people, you might just randomly ask them, and what's the first thing that comes to mind? What gives you joy? Well, um, you know, I linger over my coffee, or I, I play the lottery, and, and when I win, I'm I, I'm really happy. It, it's not that kind of surface happiness. It's a deeper, deeper level of joy, and and we have to make time for those things to to take deep yeah. root. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, all these practices, when you go at them at a deeper level, these, these are not surface things. These mm-hmm. are uh, deepening your spiritual life. Yeah. And l- like you said, not only can, can the joy of the Lord coexist, uh, you know, not depend on circumstances, it can coexist with bad circumstances. And we've, we've all experienced this kind of thing. If you go to a funeral, you know, you experience on a very natural and very healthy level sadness, mm-hmm. profound sadness. Uh, but concurrent with that sadness, if you're a person of faith, at a funeral mass, you also experience at the same time hope, right. maybe deeper hope than ever. So there's the two levels of human experience that you have that surface level um, happiness that can actually be a, a, a neurological mix in your brain that could produce that. But then there's joy. Then there's the spiritual joy, the joy of the Lord that can push through any situation and carry you through the situations. Uh, my one of my favorite scriptures that I based a lot of the book on the joy of the Lord must be your strength, mm. and that was told to the people of God when they were being called to war. They were being called to go back and rebuild their fallen city. That wasn't something that that was an easy time that they were told that. But the joy is not something you get when things are good and the battles are won. It's what you need to enter that battle. Now, the way you have it listed here, again, friends, we're talking with Chris Stefanik. The book is called Living Joy, Nine Rules to Help You Rediscover and Live Every Day, Joy Every Day. It is published by Emmaus Road Publishing, and you can check it out at uh, Chris's beautiful website, reallifecatholic.com. 
Is there, and I know you you start with giving thanks as rule one. Is, is there a reason you started with that? Actually, that one was so powerful, I almost made the whole book on that. <laughs> so it just... that's, um, there, there is, when you really dive into contemplating the power of gratitude, uh, it's incredible how it changes your life, how it changes not only what's in your mind, but the way your mind works. Mm. Uh, but it's got to be a spiritual discipline for that to happen to you. You know, the, the human mind has a natural tendency to focus on what will hurt you because your brain, like any organ in your body, is there to keep you alive, not to make you happy. And that's our natural tendency. We can fixate on things that drag us down. That's why clickbait is almost always negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the, the Lord's telling us, I mean, with Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, but these, these are easy words to say. Oh, give thanks in all circumstances. That sounds nice. No, 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 Christian, you, you actually have to make a habit of doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you actually make that habit, uh, which I, I dive into and I, I'm trying to live myself right now, when you make a habit of that, it really changes you. Yeah. Well, you know, I was reading... Um we we publish these little mini pamphlets to help people along their journey at, at my particular parish. And we were trying to uh, start a, um, a perpetual adoration. And it was like, well, what do I do there, basically? And they said, they kind of set up this little outline for you when you go in there. And maybe don't spend 60 minutes the first time. Do 10, then 20, then 30, whatever. But the first rule of thumb was to go in and not express needs or start like a trail of of uh, recitative type prayers, but to give thanks, to have gratitude in mm-hmm. all things, and to sit there and meditate on all the things that you could be thankful for. Give thanks first. So it's interesting that that too, you know, it, it kind of sets you up. It just changes your mindset, I think. It does. And as St. Paul wrote in prison, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Mm-hmm. That was a command. Yes. A command to rejoice. Yeah. Not a suggestion. From prison. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he wrote a lot of this stuff because he was struggling himself, yeah. Yeah. and he, and it came right from his gut. And thinking, he's thinking, what what am I doing right now to keep myself happy? And this is how I'm going to minister to people. Right now, uh, so. I, I know that that you know, when you're in apostolate as you are, and of course with with a wife and six children, uh, I'm sure there are times when you have the Lord. You know, Father Benedict Rochelle, God rest his soul, would tell me, you know, the Lord will always take you right to the edge. Uh, to see how much you trust it. And, and I'm sure there are times in your work, in your apostolate, when it was tough to really express joy in what you were doing because you weren't sure about where you were going. And, and I'm sure many people feel that way just in their everyday lives, in their own vocation, whatever that may be. And what, 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 is there a good practice to, to kind of make sure that we don't fall into that trap of, of being robbed of, the, of our joy, even in those very dark and dire times? Especially then. I mean, if, if you really pay attention to much of the spiritual life, it's the devil trying to rob you of joy. Mm-hmm. And that's because, the, like Scripture says, the joy of the Lord must be your strength. The devil knows that joy makes people strong. And, and just like I converted when I was a kid, it was people's joy that made me attracted to the faith. Uh, joy makes it easy to leave sin. Joy makes it easy to call people to Jesus Christ just by who you are, because they want to be like you if you're joyful. And the devil sees all that, so he constantly is trying to kick your joy out of you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's a spiritual warfare element to these practices. Mm-hmm. And as a as a young man yourself, and you know, my, Cheryl and I were we're we're not we, so young. We're not so young, but <laughs> but we do have young children, younger you know, children young like adults. yourself, young mm-hmm. adults. 
Uh, and I know the. Well, world... I got a grandkid now. Oh well, my! Well, well, so you're not that young then. <laughs> <laughs> Forget that. Scratch that question. <laughs> no. I was. You're a young grandpa. Uh, I know my, I'm 45, and we, I had a. I my, got married young. My girl got married young. And... Um, there you go. Praise well, the God Lord. Bless well, amen. It's a, whole, it's, a, it's a whole new world, isn't it, Grandpa? Talk about it's joy. Awesome, right? Mm. <laughs> Awesome. And that certainly, I know we have felt that it, has, it, it changes everything enough that, it, you know what, it really enhances joy. You just it have such does. even greater joy. Yeah. I always feel there was, there's yeah. when we had, you know, we have three now, but I thought, you know, there was just a special reserve of love that we didn't even know about until the children, the grandchildren came, then all of a sudden, oh, yes, here it comes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It gushes out, right? <laughs> right? Heaven, but, but in your work, it, it is. It's, it's, it's beautiful, beautiful time in your life. So congratulations to you and your wife on that. Um, we're Thank just you. about a minute left. But again, friends, we're talking with Chris Stefanik, Living Joy, Nine Rules to Help You Rediscover and Live Joy Every Day is the brand new book uh, published by Emmaus Road Publishing. Is going to your website, Chris, the best way to find out about the book at reallifecatholic.com? Yeah, that that works great. You could also sign up for our, our we have a I did a retreat with Canto La Mesa. Oh okay. uh, Cardinal Canto La Mesa. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is on reallifecatholic.com forward slash joy. Mm-hmm. I'd love to plug you into that. But the book is on there too. The book's also on Emmaus Road in St. Paul Center. And it's on Amazon. So if you, if you Google it, probably the first thing that'll come up is Amazon. So okay. you know, however it's easy for you to get it. I'll tell you what, though, this, everybody needs this right now. And I, I'm not just saying that as a, as a cheesy salesman. Everybody needs this book right now. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, and Absolutely. If you, and if, if you know someone who doesn't know the Lord, this will show them how Jesus makes your life better. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's a, still we're in the midst of the, 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 the fringes of the pandemic, but are you lining yourself up to do retreats and things in the future? Are you going to be uh, looking to do that again? or? Oh, yeah. Okay, definitely. so probably on your website there, too, reallifecatholic.com, is how people can find out more about yeah. that as well? That's right, yeah. We're booking very far out, actually, so yeah. it would okay. be good if you're interested. Okay. Yes, we'll stay in touch, Chris, um, with all things, especially if you're going to come to the New Jersey or Philadelphia or New York area. We'll we'll put in a plug for you and, and give a shout-out you. where you're going to be. So uh, don't forget about us. Okay. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. you. Thanks for being with us, Chris. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, friends, and uh, we'll take a break. Come back. Jim Hoffman's here with the wintry forecast. Don't go away.
God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. 
All right, and as that wind howls outside and drops that uh, wind chill factor, and we have something looming in the future, here is our very special chief meteorologist, Mr. Snowman himself, <laughs> Jim Hoffman. Snowman. I like that. <laughs> Why not? Why not? We can't. Everyone is hanging on the edge of their seat waiting for your expert wisdom and foresight. <laughs> Forecast. Yeah. Why? Something's supposed to happen? Yeah. <laughs> well, well <laughs> we were listening to the weather. So, so we hear there's something a-brewing outside there. First yeah, of all, what about, yeah, what about today? Winter, I, I'm glad winter, I have a... So, um, I'm glad I have a roof over my head. So we hear we're in the studio, the soundproof studio, and we're hearing the wind. Mm-hmm. So it must be pretty bad mm. out there. And I think I saw you fly by on your bike. Is that possible? I cross the line. I mean, I draw the line at um, you know windchill factors and <laughs> negative digits. That's it. Yes. That's it. That's yeah. it. So, did you have a good week? It was a pretty nice week. I think we had uh, some pretty nice week. Cold, but it was nice. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was chilly. It wasn't wasn't too bad. It did get to uh, do some cycling outside. In good cold weather, but as I said, you know, not when it's in the twenties and the wind is gusting to thirty miles an hour. Yeah. We'll not do that. I was coming across uh, the uh, Scudder's Fall Bridge here and coming over to the station. And, you know, then you, I was going to the post office, so I had to pass the airport, uh, the uh, Trenton Airport. And my car was, you know, on, you're on the highway and the wind's blowing, you feel your car. But this plane was taken up by the man. I would hate to be on that plane. Oh, it's like that turbulence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not the kind of weather you want to be flying in. No. Yep. Yep. I know where you were. My, um, so I, I grew up in that area. And I remember my grandma used to take me to the airport and we would uh, just sit there in the car and watch planes take off. It's pretty uh-huh. cool. Oh, that's great. Oh, was that? Did they have the jets taking off there at that time? It wasn't always like well, a major airport. Not no, an airport they, they had small commuter planes. Yeah. Nothing like today because I think Frontier Airlines is there. Right. The bigger planes, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nope, the smaller commuter jets. Here's a little Jim. Here's, here's a little Jim uh, Manfredonia trivia. There was a time when I was offered a job to be an air traffic controller at that airport. Oh, gee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I had no experience whatsoever. They were desperate. They were looking for an air traffic controller. Was so my, my, I guess it was a college. I guess and the counselor said, "Well, there's an air traffic controller position opening up at Trenton Community Airport." I thought, "Well, who wants to do that?" <laughs> wow, that must have been a long time ago. Like when um, they used to have those. Remember the Fred Flintstone airplanes where they had the pedal? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, the, the dirigibles were the dirigibles were were, were landing there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so tell us what's in store because I got to batten things down outside here. Yeah, it's, well, um, that wind's going to continue. It's been windy all day, and uh, yesterday was windy as well. But today is when those winds really kicked up. And right now around the area, we're in the, I'd say mid to upper twenties. Um, down the shore, we're around thirty. Cape May is thirty degrees. Seaside Heights is at eighty-five degrees and sunny, so it's time to get your boat out. <laughs> ah, we can dream, can't we? <laughs> yeah. Now, unfortunately, it's twenty-six degrees at Seaside Heights. You know, I went to um, Long Beach Island last Sunday just to check things out, and there was uh, there's just a little bit of ice on the bay, like right by the the coastline. So, oh, wow. uh, I remember going down there when I was a kid uh, one one sum one yeah one summer one winter. Where the whole bay was frozen. Over. Yeah. So uh, we're not quite there yet. Okay. But, um, All right. We'll keep this up for a few more days, maybe. All right. But anyway, um, 
So, yeah, we've got some snow that's heading our way. But first, let's get through uh, tonight and um, most of the weekend. So tonight, those winds are going to continue uh, 10 to 15 miles an hour out of the northwest, gusting as high as 25 to 30 miles an hour. And we're going to have a, a low tonight of 13 degrees, so very cold. Saturday, uh, the cold continues, high near 30. Uh, northwest winds around 10 miles per hour. Saturday night, increasing clouds, low 18. Sunday, we're going to have a chance of snow. That snow is going to begin later in the afternoon, cloudy with a high near 30. Now, that snow is going to continue into Sunday night, Monday, and possibly into Tuesday morning. So there's a long-duration event. The, the low is going to get the low pressure system is going to get stuck out uh, just off the coast. But it's not going to be heavy snow the whole time. And actually, along the coast, uh, we'll, we might get some mixing, as we usually do in New Jersey, mixing of um, the snow with some rain, as well as down in Cape May. Uh, we'll, we'll get that as well. Um, so uh, the, what we're looking at right now is there's a possibility of, you know, in central Jersey area, maybe six inches or more of snow. But um, just have to caution everyone that, you know, the, the weather, weather models, they're starting to come into agreement. However, th there's still a lot of wiggle room. Uh, some of the models were showing the, the um, low-pressure system going further to the south, uh, taking the brunt of the snow with it. You know, others still have it, you know, coming a little bit closer, giving us more snow. So we'll just have to keep watching the weather forecast. Uh, obviously, as we get closer to the event, those forecasts will become more accurate. Um, but right now, the National Weather Service is confident enough to put up a winter storm watch for most of central New Jersey, um, southern New Jersey, except for Cape May County, and also except for along the coast. So we're looking at the possibility, at least the National Weather Services, of heavy snow, uh, six inches or more. Especially along the coast, you could have winds gusting as high as 50 miles an hour inland, maybe 40 miles an hour or so. Uh, that could cause some blowing and drifting of any snow that uh, falls. Right. And again, the, um, the the areas that we're concerned with are central Jersey, uh, northern Jersey, and then most of southern New Jersey except Cape May County and along the coast. And mm -hmm. that uh, watch starts Sunday afternoon, goes into late night, early late night Monday, early morning Tuesday. Wow. So mm. We'll right. see how that goes. Yeah. And then. Um, the rest of the next week, you know, after we get out of the whatever's <laughs> going to happen, <laughs> um, you know, Wednesday, Wednesday's looking sunny. Um, actually, the forecast right now for Friday is 52 degrees. But oh. <laughs> we'll have to see how, how that pans out. We might have the big melt after the big snow. Yeah. But, um, let's get let's get through the snow first. And, and as I said, um, keep you know keep a weather eye to the sky and also to your uh, local TV and radio stations as we get closer to the event. I think by tomorrow afternoon. Um, the weather models should have a pretty good handle on what's going on. So um, definitely just keep keep watching the news reports to get that more accurate forecast as we get closer to the event. What's, wow. what's your favorite thing to do, uh, Jim? So say, other than like watch watch the snow pile up and, and predict. Um, so you're going to be snowed in for a day or two. What's your go-to? Netflix, popcorn, baking, sledding? You know what's in? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So um, it's, it's going to start Sunday night, and I think that the heaviest part of this um, would come Monday afternoon, Monday evening. Okay. So 
uh, what I'll be working. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll be working Monday and Tuesday. But yeah. you know, if I had the ability to get out, um, I like to do some sledding. I like, yes. you know, especially in the big storms. I just like to walk outside and walk around the block because yes. it's so quiet. There's no cars out. All you hear is the wind and the snow hitting the hit, you know hitting your jacket. It's so quiet. <laughs> yes. Um, so I just, I'd like to do that. Oh, it's not quiet in my neighborhood because people hear me screaming when I slip on the ice. And fall. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so well, I, I stay inside in front of the fire. That's that's what I do these days. Very there good. You go. That's right. Well, thank you, thank Jim. Thank you, Jim. Really appreciate it. And stay safe. And we'll look forward to hearing. Uh, I guess we'll have a better idea of the forecast on Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, Wednesday we'll have 100% confidence in the forecast. There you go. All right, then. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk to you next week, Jim. Thanks a lot. God bless you. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. Time to name that Catholic tune. And uh, what a Catholic tune it is. All right, then. Well, we'll look forward to that because uh, we don't have a lot of time, but we can get this in. Yes, we can. Um, so the deal is is that Cheryl will um, give clues about today's Catholic tune. And uh, just listen carefully. And then she's going to play a little bit of it on the mighty, mighty uh, world of Something. Service, something, <laughs> some kind of keyboard. Um, and you can call 609-493-8255, 609-493-8255, after she plays the little bit and tell us what that Catholic tune is. So go right ahead. Okay. This uh, Catholic hymn comes to us from the 9th century from a Benedictine monk. This hymn has been used since the 11th century at ordinations and coronations, and even right through today, especially at confirmation services. So ancient melody, ancient text, isn't it wonderful to be part of such a great Mm -hmm. ancient tradition? And it's still very popular. I, I think people can sing it without even looking at the hymnal, which we can't do today anyway. Um, and I learned that the hymn is actually discussed in the catechism, so I want to look that up. Mm. Um, approximately 2670, you know how the points the are numbered. Paragraph yeah, number, yeah. 2670. Mm-hmm. But um, it's basically a Roman Catholic prayer for guidance. Who would you pray to for guidance? Any number of people or, or things. So um, definitely a prayer for guidance. And it wasn't, although it wasn't translated into English until the mid-1800s. It was translated by a clergyman who was with the Church of England. And as he was working on more uh, Catholic hymns and doing a lot of the translating, he eventually converted to Catholicism. So I think the melody will do it for you. A lot of times the trivia doesn't really spark anything. Maybe it'll give you a little clue, but. All right, 609-493-8255. That's the number you can call. Listen to what Cheryl plays. Let's play. And if you think you know what today's Catholic tune is, call us at 609-493-8255.
All right, 609-493-8255. If you know what that Catholic tune is, you give us a call right now, 609-493-8255. Maybe play it again. Ooh, what was that noise? Sounded like the the <laughs> M, the M and the organ was in there. Yeah, don't we have like a real organ? Right, wait, we have a caller. Oh, we, good. We have a caller. Okay, let's see. Here we go. Hi, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? This is Arlene, and I'm calling from Upper Freehold. Hi, Arlene. How are you? Good. How are you? Okay. What do you think today's Catholic tune is? And I'm guessing for Pete. He okay. says it's Come Holy Spirit. Well, we'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. <laughs> A little bit. Uh... Okay, what's another word for spirit and think old? Is she still there? She should be, yeah. Okay, so think. Ghost? Yes, yes, yes. Come, yes. Holy, Come ghost. holy Ghost. Very yes. good, Arlene. That is yes. today's, that is today's and, tune. And I kept saying to Pete, I don't think that's the name. <laughs> <laughs> See? There you go. Well, we need to have like a playoff. Now, the two of you, though, you have to be, you can't be on the same team. You have to be two separate, and we'll just fire the hymns at you, and we'll take score. <laughs> like the, what do they call it? The lightning round? The lightning round. The lightning yeah. round. That's right. We'll that's do right. it, my friend. Yeah, we'll do it. Well, congratulations, Arlene, that oh. Come Holy Ghost is the correct tune today. So. We thank you for playing. And, uh, oh, you're welcome. And we'll, st- we'll see you on the slopes on Monday, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know where we're going to be. Yeah, we'll I see. Know. <laughs> I know. We Our- just listened to the forecast, and uh, I don't know. It's yeah, I know. A little, uh, a little, a little, little icy and dicey out yeah, there. Yeah, we're a little we'll questionable. We'll see. Yeah. We'll put Jim to the test, and, and but we'll stay in touch, okay? Yes, we will. All, All right. right. Well, thanks for okay. playing. God bless you. Okay. Bye-bye now. All right, friends, and you stay where you are. I'll be right back. Here is Come Holy Ghost.
Come Holy Ghost, that today's Catholic tune. And we did get a um, another response to the question here. All right. Uh, before we take our break, uh, let's see. This is TC. Thank you for translating the name of the prayer for protection last week. So excited to hear it. Yes, yeah, super When cool. snow is coming, <laughs> we load the house with firewood, cook, bake, prepare a lot of food that can be eaten cold. Make sure the generator is ready to go and get to the snowplow attached to the tractor. <laughs> They're a hard-working family. I guess so. <laughs> Sounds like it. Where, 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 where are they? <laughs> um, not far from... Not in our neighborhood. Yeah, no, more like Hunterdon County, okay. and I'm, I'm going to say a farm. <laughs> All righty. Well, we'll take a break, friends. Be back with another hour of Friday Live next hour. Father Jim Grogan is here with the Gospel Reflection, and uh, Mallory Smythe to talk about her book, Rekindled. Uh, so a lot more to come. And if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, uh, we break away for about four or five minutes, come back at the top of the hour. So stay with us. There's more to come. Everyone has to work through mounds of mundane stuff every day. Even the Pope has to rubber stamp a stack of papers today. The question is, what spirit do you bring to that stuff? I was folding laundry the other day for six kids. The mound was huge, and I was starting to get this terrible attitude. Arg! I don't want to be doing this. And I remembered a guy who reached out to our ministry anonymously through an email contact form. He was in a different continent. He said, can someone come visit me? I'm ill. I'm so lonely. I have no friends, no family. He was just reaching out to the internet in desperation. I almost started crying as I folded each shirt. Thank you, God, for the kid who wears this shirt, the wife who wears that dress. Listen, if you have work today, give thanks. And if you have people you love who you're getting to work for, give thanks even more. If you do, your work might still be kind of stinky, but at least you won't be. This is Chris Stefanik from ReallifeCatholic.com on EWTN Radio. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. When you are predictable in your authority, you will actually have to use that authority less. Consistent discipline leads to less constant discipline. The more you act when you need to act, the less you will have to act in the future with similar misbehavior. The Doctor is in with Dr. Ray Garendi. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media weekdays at 1. Bishop Robert Barron. Tolkien has reached out to, you know, Nordic culture and literature and Icelandic sagas and all sorts of things. He learned a lot about the good, the true, and the beautiful from his study of pre-Christian cultures. He used narrative forms that were accessible to the culture. He adapted that to evangelical purposes. So that shows you that flexibility. It shows you a certain um, creativity in the evangelical uh, art. He did not proselytize, rather he very delicately and indirectly and cleverly evangelized through the imagination so that someone taking in these great stories of Tolkien or his friend C.S. Lewis, they're going to say, oh yeah, I get that. I recognize that pattern. So that finally when they hear the gospel, they'll say, yeah, I understand that. I learned that from the Lord of the Rings. I learned that pattern from the Narnia stories. That was the genius of those fellas. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Uh, started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing Mass, and it just became a pattern, and 
continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our, our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. You need to ask God to touch your mind and touch your heart and touch your soul so that you can look at yourself without guilt and look at Jesus with hope and love and deep, deep, deep faith. It says, Jesus, here I am. I have many good qualities and some not so good. Help those that are good to grow. Help those that are not good to be changed, to be transformed so that you and I, as we go along in our life, can give courage to others. We can say, hey, look, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult to overcome this weakness, but look, Jesus in you can do it. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. A lot of people think that street evangelization involves yelling out of a bullhorn telling people that they're going to hell. Not so with St. Paul's street evangelization. Our methods are non-confrontational and effective. We simply offer information on the Catholic faith along with rosaries, miraculous medals, and prayer. Pope Francis wrote about how beautiful it is to see street preachers joyfully bringing Jesus to every corner of the earth. Street evangelization is fun and fruitful. Join us today at streetevangelization.com. This is WFJS 1260 AM Trenton, WFJS 89.3 FM Freehold, WGYM 1580 AM Hamilton, and WSMJ 91.9 FM North Wildwood, Cape May. Communicating hope on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back, friends. Another hour of Friday Live on this January 29th, 2021. And we hope you are staying warm and uh, will enjoy the weekend as we lead up to the snowstorm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see. I'm Jim, by the way. And this is Cheryl. And we're happy to be here. In this hour, we're going to have our gospel reading for this. Is it the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time? It is. The fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time. And our good friend, um, Father Jim Grogan will be here to give a reflection, and then uh, and it's January thirty first on Sunday, last day of January. Tomorrow is my baptismal day. Is that right? Sixty six years ago tomorrow, I was baptized in oh. the font at Saint Joseph's in Bogota, New Jersey. There, there's a reason to celebrate. That's right. I think I will. I think <laughs> I will. Uh, and then Mallory Smythe will join us later this hour. She's written a book called Rekindled about her return to the church and uh, coming back filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with faith and uh, joy, speaking of joy mm-hmm. in the faith. But we'll first we'll have our gospel reading for the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and taught The people were astonished at his teaching, 
for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, what have, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In this weekend's Gospel from St. Mark, we have this remarkable exchange between Jesus and a man possessed by a demon. In our day, we don't often think of someone becoming possessed. But we can certainly agree that the power of evil remains in our world. This week, as I prepared this homily, I spoke with a group of our seventh grade students and asked them what seemed important or what stood out when they reviewed this gospel. Three elements of the gospel captured their focus, and I think these elements do, in fact, relate to each other. First, they noticed how Jesus wielded power. He was a compassionate teacher, and this came through in his acceptance of the person who was possessed by an unclean spirit. Jesus simply loved that man, even though he reflected the evil intentions and words of the demon within. Second, our students commented on how the people reacted and responded to Jesus. Imagine ourselves, as it were, if we were present and knew this person, one of our neighbors in the town of Capernaum, who was possessed, and Jesus was able to command the evil demon to leave him. I don't know about you, but that would fill me with a level of fear. Who can tell a demon how to behave? St. Mark tells us that Jesus taught us as one having authority, even over demonic spirits. Incredible power was at Jesus' control. The students connected that power with the thought that Jesus could have stopped evil in any way at all. He had that much power. And yet, even in his accepting death on the cross, he did that out of love and never hesitated to love those who were sinners. That love extends to and includes you and I, as we too are sinners. The third point raised by our students was that Jesus drew the bad traits out of the person who was possessed, leaving that person healed. This demonic possession had taken control of the person's life. We can only imagine how they must have been rejected or avoided by their neighbors and others within Capernaum. When we consider these points taken together, we see a powerful invitation from Jesus to us in our lives. Jesus loves us even as we are broken. While not implying that any of us are possessed by a demon, we do know that each of us yield to temptations and we act in ways that are broken. We are unclean spirits. We might even notice that Jesus loves us more deeply at those moments 
because in his gentle power and compassion, he wants to heal us. Jesus accepts us while we are sinners, but note well, he wants to heal us from what breaks us and heal our hearts so that we live more fully as his disciples. Father Ron Rollheiser wrote about the Eucharist, the issue is not that we are broken, but that we neglect to bring that brokenness to Jesus in the Eucharist and to ask, to depend on him to heal us. Jesus draws the bad traits out of each of us, too, just as he did for the man possessed by an unclean spirit. He accepts us as we are in his perfect love and then guides us to our fullest potential of discipleship. In our brokenness, we might ask, as the man in the gospel asks, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? We ask this not out of love, but out of despair at our own brokenness. When we are drawn more deeply into the love of Jesus, we are invited to ask new questions. Lord, will you make me an instrument of your peace? Take from me my broken traits, and please give me a heart shaped by you to love one another as you have loved me.
dissolve like snow and the sun forbear to shine but God who called me here will be All right, welcome back. And uh, forget now, if you want to share with us uh, what your plans are for the snow day, you can uh, text us at 609-493-8255. 609-493-8255. And let us know how you spend your... We haven't had many snow days in the past couple of years. No, no. Um, we had that storm in December, and that was that was about six six inches in our area. Anyway, I, mm-hmm. not everywhere though. I think on that's the sh- it. It kind of depends on where you are, and it seems like the closer to the shore, mm-hmm. what is it? Too much? You're just too close to the ocean. And maybe the air is warmer. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, asking the I'm wrong. I'm not a gym. meteorologist. <laughs> I have to ask. They Jim. always say that though. You know, unless yeah. you're by the shore, where it may be mixed precipitation or right, all right. rain. But there have been times. Not often, but I remember where, like, maybe Cape May would get the the, the brunt of the storm. We wouldn't get anything. Right, right. That just depends on how it goes. But I can remember. And how was it? I I would love to go sledding again, but I'd probably break something. Now you you want to go sledding? Yes. You could always go to your local school, middle school, elementary, high school. Somehow behind the school there was always a hill. That's where they threw the bad kids. <laughs> Down the hill. <laughs> Down the ditch, into the moat. <laughs> but isn't that true? I mean, where we live, it's so flat. But you could go to that middle school. Well, we have that. We used to take our kids back in that little green area in our neighborhood right. that they right. would go down. That's right. And we used Angela to go over to. Did, remember? She, yeah, um, she did broke her wrist or something. something. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. But we, you, when we were kids, we used to go over to uh, Bugalo Park in New Brunswick. They called it Red Barn Hill. I guess there used to be a red barn there. There was no red barn when we were there. But, <laughs> but the hill would, was still there. The hill was there, and it would go down. And literally, you, you, would, you would go into River Road there before oh the canal. <laughs> and, you know, our parents would let us just, okay, see ya. Yeah. Grab your sled, and you just, you're <laughs> off for the day. They, they right. had no idea where we were. No cell phone. If we you were wrapped get... around a tree somewhere, who knew? <laughs> they just, okay, bye. In the river. Yeah, <laughs> c- come back for your pork roll and cheese. It's lunchtime. <laughs> Or macaroni and macaroni cheese. And Let's cheese. talk about that. I just remember but, Mrs. DeWaters making us pork roll sandwiches after coming back from sleigh riding. Really? Yeah. We always had hot chocolate and marshmallows. Yeah. But um, we we went to East Brunswick High School, East Brunswick, New when Jersey. When you used to go sled, sleigh riding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sledding. Uh-huh. Big, like, double hill. You know, you just get down to the bottom, and if you can really get up enough uh, energy moving forward, you'd get the second wave. Well, we had in our neighborhood in Somerset there um, – You'd go down to the brook, and there was a hill. Didn't something happen to? Yeah, one there of were you? two hills. There was the the hill you were supposed to go down, and the hill you weren't supposed to go down. Uh oh. And unfortunately, one of our little playmates went down the wrong hill and oh. cracked her chin on a, a sewer pipe or something. I don't know. Oh, I can't think about it. Yeah, but like again, in those days, parents didn't really hover. 
<laughs> no. hover over their kids the way they do today. That's right. We're survivors today, aren't we? and even even we, I think, would go with our. We would we would we wouldn't let our kids just go just out go. and go away. No, I, I would stay with them. We, our parents, you and I, would would let us just go. Mm-hmm. Just Be go home for dinner. See you Be later before dark. Right. <laughs> I remember we rode our bicycles. You know, we lived in, in, in Franklin Township, which is in, right on the border of New Brunswick, the Somerset area. And we, one summer day, rode our, just got on our bicycles and started going. And we ended up in Princeton. Oh, my gosh. Down, down past the quarry, you know. But and, then, and then we had to ride back. That's it. You keep going. Wow, look how far we are. But then yeah. you have to turn around and go home. We had to come home. back. We went, literally went. There's a, they're still there. It's, it's, a, it's a, a car dealership on Route 206. In the uh, Princeton area, we, we called our parents and said, we're in Princeton. And neither – my mother didn't drive and uh, my friend's mother didn't didn't drive. So we they couldn't come get us. We had to ride back. Wow. Could you imagine that? Like – and we I, we were probably – we were probably in seventh grade. I mean we weren't like, you know, high school seniors. Oh, my gosh. But the times were different. People just oh, let their sure. kids – you know, they let their kids go. Completely different. My mother put me on a bus in sixth grade and sent me to New York, you know. <laughs> what, did she buy you a one-way ticket? Maybe there was a, a hidden agenda. There. No, it was actually it was it was it was uh, the next the, the gentleman, the family who lived across the street from us, uh, Mr. Murphy. Maybe Mrs. Murphy is listening because she lives in our listening area. We've had lunch, but uh, Mr. Murphy has since passed away. But he he was in the National Guard and he was going away for a couple of weeks as the guard does. And he forgot his paperwork. He was a captain, I think. He forgot his paperwork. So my my mother and Mrs. Murphy said, well, let's give it to Jimmy and put him on the bus to Port Authority. And, and Mr. Murphy would meet him there and take the paperwork and get me on the bus and send me back. I was in sixth grade. Oh, my goodness. I was at a courier. I wouldn't get on the bus now and go to Port Authority. <laughs> suburban. Remember the suburban station there? Absolutely. In absolutely. And, that's, and then so then I used it to my advantage because I said, well, now, Ma, that I've done this. I should be able to take the bus to New York and go to a Yankee game. Mm-hmm. Let me do it this time. Why That's can't smart. I just take this up? And they did. The next summer, I was able to go to get the, the ball games by myself. Well, with my friends and my brother, younger brother. But we wouldn't do that today. No, you wouldn't put a you wouldn't put a seventh grader on a bus and send him to Port Authority bus station. And so now when you get there, take the A train to 59th <laughs> Street right. and the D train to 161st. Right. No cell phones, nothing. Had no idea where we were. Unbelievable. And then would end up coming back after the ball game. By then, late, dark. Well, it was a day game. Mm-hmm. But still, but still, it was it's around. The it was travel. Like, yeah, like six o'clock or so. Mm-hmm. It just is. Just at times. The times are different. Yes, completely. Mm-hmm. But uh, sleigh riding was. Um, we used to do a lot of that. Loved it. Loved I did too. It. But it was. It is. You know, we used to go down on our stomach. Did you go down your stomach with head first? Yes. Well, you'd have the wooden sled with, and you, you could, could steer, steer it, yeah. right? With but the that's red blades probably dangerous to go down head first. Well, look at what the young lady right. cracked her chin. You're supposed to sit on that and use your feet to steer the sled. <laughs> you know, we'd go down head first. We'd go down head first, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh my gosh, what How fun! How do we survive? And then those saucers. Remember, when they came out with like those um yes mini like little yes saucer things. Yeah, they, that spin. was a tragedy waiting to happen. Those <laughs> things flip out of it. You know, and, so and then fun. and then tubes and then inner tubes. Right. They would do that. <laughs> Can't you just wait till Monday now? No, I'm going to sit in front of the fire. <laughs> All right. Well, I have to go down the hill. <laughs> Might At have to least... make a little toddy, too. <laughs> One time I have to do it once. You're not going to go sleigh riding. You... All right, then. 
the challenge I don't want to say it, but on. let's face it. At your age, you shouldn't be going sleigh riding. <laughs> oh, well. If I could go with the grandchildren, you, you, you know you, I would you, do you, it. you pull them. You, you, you're on flat ground. You don't mm. go down a hill. Oh, sure. No, I. <laughs> well, we'll wait and see. I'll report back everyone next no, Friday whether or not I did. You're not going sleep. I'll have to sneak out of the house then. Good luck. It's just a little tiny hill in our neighborhood. Where, that green area? Mm-hmm. It is? Yeah, it's a little tiny hill. So you're going to go with your sled with all these little kids? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Here comes Grandma. I'm here. <laughs> First of all, we don't have a sled. What are you going to use? <laughs> oh, I bet up in the attic we have a couple of those saucer things. Oh, the saucer things. That's really going to be good. <laughs> we want video of that and post it on our, on our Facebook I'll take, page. I'll try to take a selfie as I'm going down the hill. <laughs> Cheryl goes down the now, hill. Now, you said we're talking about What joy. do they call those saucers? Now, put out the phone okay. number Okay, anybody know? Remember those? Uh, 609-493-8255. <laughs> there was a name for them. Yes. Those little saucers that had little handles on them. You'd sit in them yeah. and go down the hill. But there was an official name for those little saucers. It wasn't just like a little snow? No, because there would be commercials for them or something. They wouldn't say, mm. here's your saucer. And then what was that other thing that really is like... Danish or Swiss, the long oh a toboggan, the long. Did you ever do that with the curly no. front? No. You put your feet in there. No, we had a toboggan. That. that wasn't. You couldn't really control it. And <laughs> that's, that's always that's ca- always good. Catapulting fifty down miles an hour down a snowbank. <laughs> can't control it. No control. See ya. Bye. Yeah, so if you know what the name of those saucers? There was a name for them. Okay. The name for those saucers you would ride and you'd sit in them, hold on the handles, go down the hill in the snow. And they've been around for a while now. I mean, like oh, sure, because we they were we there when we were kids, so they've been right. around for a long time. Yeah. We'll have to look it up. 609-493-8255. If you know the name of those things, text us because we're curious now. 609-493-8255. But there was a name for them. <laughs> or let us know what you're planning for Monday: macaroni are, and cheese, are you going sleigh riding, mm-hmm. and how old are you? <laughs> Building is a. Do you want to build a snowman? You know what? It's probably all going to be rain. Well, that's a big disappointment. You know, you get all excited. Sometimes I think it's just stories for the news. Now that everything else is over with, now they have to have uh, cover the news stories with special reports on. You know, they get up at four a.m. and start the snow report. I remember when I was a teacher, we'd look forward to the snow days. Yes. (laughs) But again, now with the whole virtual setup, they might not get the snow days. No, you can't do that. But I, I I do remember though it it took a lot of snow to cancel. Mm. It wasn't you know a, you know a threat of snow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it's what it seems what they used to be doing here the past couple of years. It was threat yeah. of snow. Right. They'd cancel school autom- automatically. Yeah. But I suppose now with virtual they can, you know, they don't have to cancel anything. There's no yeah. snow days anymore. Unless then you think the teachers or whoever's doing all the monitoring, they do need to be outside. They need to be shoveling. They need to be clearing their walkway. And they, they can't really be on the computer for six hours or however it works. So they might, for the thrill of it, give let the kids go out and play. Give them a half day, right? Why not? Oh, yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, on the break there that uh, February 2nd is Candlemas Day. That's right. It's the official end of the Christmas season. You know, across from my parish, there's a home there, and they still are lighting their Christmas lights. It's such a joy. I come out of choir rehearsal. It's dark out. But across the street, the bushes and the house frame, they're still all lit up. And on I thought, purpose? I, I don't know. You know <laughs> sometimes you just don't unplug them. But I thought maybe they're really good Catholics, and they're keeping them up in the traditional way of uh, right through 
February 2nd. Mm-hmm. Now, are there uh, still decorations up in uh, at the parish there at St. Magdalene's? Um, poinsettias. poinsettias. We have these humongous, healthy poinsettias, mm. which are beautiful. So they may keep those just for altar decor if as long as they're – alive and thriving until then of Lent, Lent is right around the corner. But we'll have a blessing of candles. So if you go to your daily mass, bring your candles. I'm sure they'll do a candle blessing on the on second. Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, we Which might may, still be may snowed may be, in. Uh, yeah, may we'll still see. be storming. The wind may still we be blowing. See. And you know, it's also World Day of Consecrated Life. February 2nd. That's right. Mm-hmm. But they'll move the celebration in most parishes to either this weekend to the, to the Sunday before or after. And um, I could see that, though, like uh, that they represent the light of Christ. They need to go out and be the light of Christ to mm-hmm. others. What was that little nun uh, when our kids were in school who used to sit at the front de- the entry to the school, the front desk? She passed away, God rest her soul. I remember going to the hospital and praying over praying with her when she was in the hospital. Sister Catherine, was it? Catherine? Oh, boy. <clears throat> no, you know me. what I'm talking about? I can't picture her now. Little tiny little nun, older woman, obviously. I want to say Sister Anita, but that was at no, Nazareth, and it no. was the same deal, sweet as anything, just this little tiny and little nun. tiny voice. <sighs> and I remember one time I was taking the kids into school, and I, you know, dropped them off, and I was coming out, and she said to me, "Excuse me, are you um, are you related to Padre Pio?" <laughs> I said, "I don't." Think so. <laughs> Why did you see me over there? <laughs> yeah, right. Have I been bilocating lately? <laughs> and she said, because I, I saw the prayer card with your name on it. Oh. And it was the Diocese of Manfredonia in right. Italy, which is where he, the Archdiocese of Manfredonia, where Padre Pio was a priest. And so, so if you have a holy card with Padre Pio, look on the back. The imprimatur on the back, if there's a prayer, will be from the Archbishop of, of Manfredonia. Well, she mm-hmm. was so sweet. She said, Are you related to Padre Pio? Because I saw your name on his card. Oh, isn't that sweet? <laughs> No, sir. Maybe Sister no, Catherine. Sir. See, I enjoyed being I, – I was, I was taught and raised by nuns. I just think that was the Love best thing. Them. They were – the, they were, you know, when I – from the minute I went to, to, to uh, kindergarten, there was no preschool in my day. Uh, we had the Carmelites and the, uh, mm. the fully habited, and then we went to – in the middle of the 60s, went to the Sisters of Charity – Stern, but you wanted to be the best that you could be because then there is such an outpouring of love. The nuns loved me, by the way. The nuns loved me. The nuns loved me. They would think I was just the cat's meow. (laughs) Oh, James. (laughs) Oh, James. They're beautiful. Well, we're having a special celebration Sunday morning at 9. All Mm -hmm. the religious uh, sisters that have an affiliation with our parish are all going to come. And there'll be a special blessing for them. I've got some special music planned. And then there's a little breakfast for them following. Just for them, a little private breakfast. It's it's not open to the public. Mm -hmm. Normally, we'd have like a little reception for them. So pray for your, your, your consecrated sisters sisters and brothers Mm -hmm. and, you know, again, those of us who were in those days, there was convents full of nuns. You know, yes. The convents were full. The rectories were full. Right. Uh, the and, schools that you were taught by oh, nuns. Oh, yeah. The majority of them were nuns. Sure. And that's mm-hmm. and that was that's a very fond memory I have of, of uh, these beautiful women religious. So let's say some prayers for them. We'll take a break. Come back. Uh, we're going to be joined by Mallory Smythe to talk about her brand new book, Rekindled. So stay where you are, my friends. There's more to come on Friday Live.
Well, welcome back, friends. Happy to have you on this cold, blustery January day. Uh, Mallory Smith is the content manager at Walking with Purpose. She previously worked as director of program growth of, for Endow and as a recruitment manager, development officer, and missionary for Focus. Uh, she earned a bachelor's degree in marketing from uh, Louisiana State University. She's spoken at Endow and Focus conferences, including SEEK. Uh, she's been a guest on EWTN, and her writing has appeared in Radiant Magazine. She lives in Littleton, Colorado with her family, and she has been where many young Catholics have been. Uh, but the difference between her and other fallen-away Catholics is that she's figured it away when she overlooked the shortcomings of the church as an institution. She fell in love with Jesus and rediscovered the beauty and truth of her faith. Uh, and this brand-new book from Ave Maria Press rekindled Mallory welcome to the program thank you so much for having me and Mallory my first thought what pops into my head right away is um you know we're, we're focusing on the young Catholics as you talk about the focus and different things that you've done in your life but it my first impression is that this is going to be applicable the advice and the stories that that you share in your book are going to be for across the ages. I mean, there are there are older and younger people who have fallen away and need to be rekindled. So, what was what was your focus group when you initially had it placed on your heart to write the book? You know, Joe, that's a great question, and really, and I agree with you. I think that this book really is for everyone and for all ages. Um, Really what inspired me to write the book was um, it kind of started, I mean, whenever I came to really fall in love with Jesus and then eventually fell in love with the Catholic Church, what kept coming to my mind is I grew, I mean, I grew up in South Louisiana. Everybody's Catholic down there. And most of um, me and my friends, we all went to Catholic school for 12 years. And I'm one of the few who are still uh, really practicing. And all I could think was, okay, we grew up receiving Jesus in our hands every week, like every time we went to Mass at school, and we didn't know what was in front of us. Yeah. And so many people have left because they don't know what's in front of them. And um, I was having a conversation with my brother-in-law, who was going through a con his own conversion at the time, and my husband and I met as missionaries. So we're, you know, very, very Catholic. And he's, I, I was talking to him, and I said, you know, Adam, I find church boring, too. <laughs> Like, I can be bored at Mass. And he's like, really? And I was like, well, I'm not a robot. Like, I, 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 what came to me was I've had these experiences that so many disillusioned Catholics have had. And so that was really the first thing that just inspired me to say, hey, let's look at this again. I know that we have some issues. But then the other thing that um, was on my heart as I was writing the book was exactly what you just said. Uh, I come from a big family. A lot of my aunts and uncles and my parents, they didn't know the faith well. They were faithful to a mm. certain degree, but they didn't know their faith well, and so they couldn't integrate it into their daily lives. And then I have sat with so many parents, and the minute I say I'm a missionary, they tell me why their kids doesn't practice the faith anymore and mm. how upset they are about it. And so really it was those things to say, okay, if I can actually shed light on this for parents, and say, hey, your kid might be my age or close to, and and this is probably a lot similar to what they experienced. So this might be why they're gone. Um, and also to speak to the hearts of people who just have had struggles with the church and maybe never talked about them, 
or maybe never dove deeper to say, hey, I want to relate with you and say these are valid things, but that under the dust and under the mess, there is so much for us to explore. Like Jesus left us so much and is waiting for us to explore and, and do so with joy. Well, that's exactly it, to go deeper, to dive into the depths of the treasures of our faith. Because a lot of people just kind of skim along the top, you know, we're skipping stones here from week to week. We go to Mass um, and, and we go through the motions, but we don't have that relationship and we don't really know and appreciate what we have and it might be easy if we're just skimming along the top like well that there's a new priest now and I don't really like his homily so why go I mean it's that much of a surface level or I know someone um that said, well, they had two children, they were maybe a year or two apart, and they wanted them to receive communion the same date. Well, there's there's a procedure, and there's rules, and there's the years in the program, and there's different levels, and the, the father said, no, you know, they really can't. They have to be with their class, and she got so angry that she left, and I thought, step back. What, do you know what you're walking away from, and why? You know what I mean? So it's, it's too easy. People find these little excuses to walk away. Absolutely, and, and you're saying that. I, you know, I'm thinking there is an article that I love called Why the World Doesn't Take Catholicism Seriously. It, it was on uh, NC Register years ago. But he talked about what's the answer to these problems. And he said the answer is saints, that a saint doesn't walk away from a bad, like doesn't walk away from the church because of a bad mass or for some of these issues, which are real issues and need to be addressed. But mm-hmm. like the Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, who started Catholicism, there's something there that sent Joan of Arc to the stake, right? Like, yes. Yeah. We should look for that. What is it? What is it that made the saints um, crazy <laughs> with love for God that they would do anything for him? Hmm. Is that what became your role model then? Like, how did you dig your way out of um, being lukewarm, if that, to then being on fire? Yeah, so... Um, I, what actually happened with me was I had this moment, a moment of grace in college, where I just kind of experienced all the exhaustion of the way I was living at once and knew that I needed to make a change. I thought that that change was going to be um, a moral life of atheism. And so I read about atheism and decided that I wasn't going to be an atheist because I didn't agree with it. I, just, I, read, I read about atheism with an open heart, kind of ready to accept that, you know what, like there's no God. But I can be generous and moral uh, without believing in God. And as I read through, I just said, you know, this doesn't mesh with me. Every people group in the history of the world has recognized that there's something beyond the physical. And so in a moment of humility, I just said, okay, God, if you're real, I'm jumping on your team. And then it was really through a non-denominational church at my college campus that I became on fire. Um, I had never heard preaching the way I heard it at that church. I had never met young people who were like me, who were using the words like mission or um, quiet time, opening their Bible and just reading it in the morning. It was a whole new culture for me, and it it really captivated me, and it brought me into um, a total love relationship with Jesus. And in that time, I really developed real bitterness towards the church. And then a few years later— I decided to go to adoration just out of 
a little bit of Catholic guilt. I always say the Holy Spirit can use Catholic guilt for our good. Mm-hmm. And so after that adoration, it was a really powerful prayer experience for me. And I just asked God what he wanted. I was like, do you, do you, I want, I would go anywhere for you. Do you want me Protestant? Do you want me Catholic? Like what's your will? And I heard uh, the most audible I've ever heard God say, I have raised you in this church. And so many of my people do not know me. Why are you looking for a different mission field? So I stayed Catholic out of obedience. And then through that obedience um, came the love. I did not have a lot of love for the Catholic church at first. I had a lot of bitterness, but really what ended up happening was I would come to these points where I'm like, I, I just need to know what we believe about this thing. And then I would Google it and then I would find a good source and then I would read the church's teaching and I was just blown away, <laughs> just blown away by the, the virtue and the balanced answer and the wisdom with which the church put together the doctrine. I mean, it was received, right, from the Lord and, and passed on through the magisterium. And it, it really just captivated my heart. And that, that's really what brought me back. We're talking with Mallory Smythe, and the book is called Rekindled. It is published by Ave Maria Press, and that's AveMariaPress.com. Mallory, you said two words there that kind of leapt out at me in your return to the church, uh, humility and obedience, which are the virtues that we use to fight pride and disobedience, which was the first sin. So uh, today's culture, especially with our young people, uh, and, and, you know, we, we're parents of 30-somethings and 20-somethings, so we, we understand the lure of the world and, and the, the uh, lure of secularism. Um, the book obviously tells your story and gives great insight and in, in how to uh, deal with these. Is it also a good read for parents of people who are going through this? I think absolutely, because I think that you'll get an understanding of uh, some of the, I think that most Catholics have had some of these experiences. But I think like when it comes to questions of um, sexuality, of the way that the church deals with like political issues that are really hot right now, that the younger generations hold those more closely. I think like I think a really big issue for the millennials is how the church deals with same-sex attraction. And I think the way that I've had to wrestle with it and deal with it will give parents insight into what their child might be feeling mm-hmm. um, whenever they're holding, on one hand, this doctrine, on, on the other hand, the lure of what you just could, the lure of secular culture and which one makes more sense. And the other thing that I talk about in the church, um, in my book, is that the church has wisdom, right? And when you're talking about um, obedience and humility, I think we really need to have a humble spirit to say, okay, I can actually read these things and not say I have to agree with them right away. But what I can recognize is that the church has an eternity of wisdom that she's pulling from, right? Like St. Augustine didn't pop up yesterday. (laughs) And, and, And a lot of our beliefs as a culture did, and so maybe we should just, in the spirit of humility, compare the two and really give the church space to speak and then say, okay, does that hold up to what, what I'm being told in modern culture and which one really hits my heart as truth? Because that's what I did. I just allowed myself to be wrong a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And when I read the ancient wisdom of the church, it just, it holds up. It's ancient. It's eternal. It's wisdom. It comes from God. And really, it doesn't take much reading of it to, to kind of combat our secular modern beliefs right now. 
Don't you think, Mallory, and I, I, we're, we're, we see it here in the work that we do through media evangelization, that uh, everybody, but I think especially these days, the younger people are searching for truth, and they don't know where to find it. They're, they're looking for it in all the wrong places, you know, through social media and other areas of, and sources of information. How do we direct them to Mother Church? Oh, such a good question. Um, I think the first thing that I think we have to do is a live it ourselves in a, a real and relatable way. Um, I, I always joke, my kids are really little, and there's a culture of celebrating, like, every Saint's feast day if you're a Catholic mom, and I'm not good at that. And I'm like, but you know what? My kids see me in my chair every morning reading the Bible. Mm. Like, so when I tell them how important Scripture is, they know that mommy's reading the Bible every day. Like, her, her and daddy, they're trying to live this. And so I think, first of all, um, going into our own hearts, like, do we have a prayer life? Are we trying to learn more about what we believe? It, does that show up in the way that we um, express joy with other people? And so I think that's the first thing. I think being able to answer questions is a good thing. Um, and then I think really just asking, asking those people, like, who are searching for truth, what they're looking for in a, in a conversational way, like wanting to find out more about why are you into that? Why do you care about that so much? I think really showing an interest and what they care about, and then asking really good questions. Hmm. That's what I've always found to be helpful, because then it helps the person um, kind of start to critically think on their own. And then when they do have questions, either being able to say, like, oh, yeah, I looked that up, and here's the answer. Or, you know, I actually don't know, but I, I'm going to find out, and I'm going to get back to you. Yeah. And then go find out and get back to them, because then it honors their question. And both of you are learning. It's like journeying with them. Is Was it Pope Francis who accompaniment, you know, like discipleship. Mm -hmm. Again, it's being the missionary. It's being the disciple. It's walking with them and being available, but introducing it, like you said, in a very gentle conversational way, trying to get to know them, sharing a book, maybe sharing your book. <laughs> Look at what happened to me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy now. I'm at peace now. And I've, I've been there. Try this. It works for me. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, we've been talking with the author of the book. It's called Rekindled Friends, and it's uh, by Mallory Smythe, our guest today, how Jesus called her back to the Catholic Church and set her heart on fire. It's published by Ave Maria Press, and their website is AveMariaPress.com. Rekindled is the name of the book. And uh, again, for all of you who, especially uh, most of our audience is, is uh, maybe a little bit older with with grown children, but it's certainly a, certainly a worth a your read, but also to maybe pass it on to them and just people who are questioning and searching. Uh, it's a great resource. So, Mallory, thank you so much for being with us today and especially for writing the book. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. God and God bless your family, the little ones. <laughs> Thank you, and your big ones. Yeah, thank yes, you. Thank and I, you. And we have little ones, too, now, so yeah, that's great. grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Thank you very much. And, friends, you stay where you are. We're going to come back with more Don't Go Away. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. In the history of the world, only one tomb has ever had a rock roll before it and a soldier set to guard it to prevent a dead man from rising. And that was the tomb of Christ on the evening of the Friday call good. What spectacle could be more ridiculous than armed soldiers keeping their eyes on a corpse? But sentinels were set, 
lest the dead walk, the silent speak, and the pierced heart quicken to the throb of life. They said he was dead. They knew he was dead. They said he would never rise again. And yet they watched. They remembered that he called his body the temple, and that in three days after they had destroyed it, he would rebuild it. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. When you give into thinking that's ripping you to shreds, that deflates your confidence, that caves into all your fear, you're not just thinking negatively. You're thinking in a way that's unholy. God wants his people to face everyday life, not just redeemed from sin, but with redeemed attitudes, redeemed thinking, a redeemed sense of who they are. Stop beating yourself up between your ears all day. No wonder why you look tired all the time. St. Paul wrote, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You should think like someone who believes in a God who created you with purpose, who gives meaning to every experience, even suffering, who bestowed dignity and royalty upon you, and who destined you for eternal glory. And why should you think that way? Because it's all true. So when the way you think builds you up instead of ripping you down, that's not just positive thinking. That's godly and holy thinking. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. We want listeners to see that God has a unique and unrepeatable plan for their lives and how to rejoice in the work God's doing in their hearts and in their homes. God wants to set us free to live more abundantly. More to Life explores what that really looks like, living it out in our everyday life and relationships. More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media weekdays at 10. Well, all right, welcome back. And uh, see, we're coming down to the wire. That's right. So thanks for staying with us if you were able to hang in there for a couple of hours or even just an hour or even just a small portion of that. Nice to know people are out there listening. Any more comments on what they plan to do or how to get ready for Monday? No. <laughs> okay. They're, they're, out, they're all out now getting their milk and eggs and That's bread. right. That's right. Getting ready. Getting ready. Well, you know, uh, remember that horrible sound you would have as a kid where you figured had a day off the next day and you hear cars going by and through the Yes, it had just rained or it already Through the wet, wet road. Like, and the, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> that means it's school. We used to have these silly little things. You know, I taught elementary school, and it would go around that you would wear your pajamas inside out, and then you would get a snow day. And then in music class, I had a song that we would sing. There'd be no to no school tomorrow if it snows. Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 inside out pajamas? Yeah, like so that night you go, you want snow on Monday. When you go to bed on Sunday night, you would tell the pa- kids they wear your pajamas inside. Wear out. your pajamas inside out, and then guaranteed. And you didn't get any letters from parents <laughs> <laughs> or what phone calls. T- <laughs> hey, if that was the worst thing we were teaching the children. Remember, uh, there was a teacher when we first, our oldest, whose name is Joseph. Everybody else calls him Joe. We call him Joseph. He is Joseph. Always called him Joseph. And uh, when he went to school, there was another Joseph in his class. Right. And the teacher said, I'm going to call that Joseph, Joseph, and I'll call you Joey, meaning our Joseph. Mm -hmm. I went and had a little chat with her. That's right. I think they (laughs) changed that around a little bit. I said, his name is Joseph. You shall call him Joseph. (laughs) You straightened her right out. Well, there are two Josephs in the class. Well, you figure that out, but his name is Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) 
Joseph one and Joseph whatever two. you know I mean that's what he's that's what we call him mm-hmm. still do to this although everybody else calls him Joey that's right call him same Joseph. with Anthony everybody everybody calls him Tony to us he's, he's Anthony. we always be he was Anthony that's mm-hmm. right just it's our little thing that, well no it's that's that's the name we gave them <laughs> we got the you know we got naming rights now so when you were growing up what what did they call family, you family family called me Jimmy still do. But how about school? School, it, the nuns called me James. Yeah. They would never would call expect- me Jimmy or Jim. Right. I it was always James. Um, and the teachers, too. I think Mrs. Mrs. Egan called me James. I, should, I never forget in sixth grade, James, you can do better, she would say, oh. in, in geography or whatever subject she taught. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was always James. And then, of course, that it was at the end of the James. They couldn't pronounce the last name, and it's so simple. I know. Just Compared to some of the names today, apparently, my name yeah. I, I, people have no problem pronouncing my name today, mm. whether they just were taught proper phonetics or what. Oh, yeah, breaking yeah. it down into syllables, right? Yeah, and you were, and you were, and you were Cheryl, and always were Cheryl, was Cheryl in school, mm-hmm. not family. Family called you Sherry. Sherry. Yeah, I never called you Sherry. No, no, I don't hear it anymore. No, but you were always Cheryl. Now I just want to be called Nana. <laughs> and Papa, we had a, we did have a little, a little excursion, a little adventure with the grandchildren the other night. We were so happy, thrilled. Yes, we got to drive through the Sesame drive-through with them, and all together in the same van with our masks on. But we were there. Sesame's doing everything they can to survive. So now they, it's you know, you can't go obviously, and and it's, of course it's winter. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be open anyway, but it's all lit up and it's a drive-through and they're celebrating the birthday of the place and music and lights and the the big puppets waving and mm-hmm. pictures and so that it was cute and just to see the kids' excitement like it's the real Elmo. That's right. It was great. We went through a second time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Drove through it a second time. So that helps us bridge At this year. You know, we're coming almost to a year of all this. It it will be right. We were in. We went down to Alabama to the network in the first, the second week in March, March right. 9th, I think, or tenth. Mm-hmm. That was just before the shutdown. And we so, flew. And we flew home, we flew, and everything yeah. was fine. And that was only. Uh, it was only a day or two before they shut everything down. That's right. It was March 12th or so, and then it depended on which state you were in. I know New York was March 12th. Everything stopped. Mm. And for us in New Jersey, we were supposed to have a big mass for St. Joseph, and it was canceled. That yeah. was the first day of mm-hmm. lockdown was the 19th. Whew. Pennsylvania, maybe a little bit later, maybe on the 20th. So it just depends on where you were. Got to pray this thing oh, away and get please. back to normal. Keep on praying and have joy. And have know, joy. That's right. I the read an excellent show. article. I wanted to ask Chris Stefanik, but I'm going to read his book, that if you're feeling down, if you try to bring joy to someone else, make that phone call, you know, be silly on the phone or whatever it is, try to cheer somebody else up, you're going to come away from that encounter more joyful yourself. Okay. So it's a good good way to try it. So get out and have a snowball fight. And come sledding with me on Monday. Oh, no. All right. (laughs) Have a great weekend. God bless you. Bye.